Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Attention Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. You know, this NBA Finals matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics has been very amazing. Nothing short of spectacular. And I don't think it caught anybody by surprise. You know, when this was determined where it was going to be the Celtics and the Warriors, I was excited. For one, we knew that the Warriors were the best team in the West. And if you listen to my last episode, you knew in my thoughts that I felt like the Celtics were more than good enough to not only win the East, but win the championship as well. Nobody talked about them all season, and they've been not just the hottest team, but the best team since February. Go look at the stats. Go listen to my last episode. I talked about how this Boston team has been under the radar, but their numbers speak loud for them. And so, you know, this matchup here, Boston, one of the best defenses in the league. The Warriors, one of the best defenses in the league as well. Um, from You look at the defensive ratings, the Warriors are number one, the Celtics are number two. And, you know, I'm old school, so I love defense. I love just seeing teams actually, you know, play defense and not just try to outscore the other team, but try to keep the other team from scoring. And, you know, that's what I teach when I coach. Like, I, I spend a lot of time on defense because that's where everything starts. We know defense wins championships. Like, of course, you got to put the ball in the basket. But everything starts with taking away what the other team does best. And that's what Golden State attempts to do. That's what Boston uh, attempts to do as well. And, you know, coming into this series, we knew Golden State was a little bit undersized and that has showed in this series we knew Boston's perimeter defense would be tough and you know they kind of let Curry do a little get a little a little bit like there's certain guys where they need a lot of space and the best of the best shooters only need a glimpse of space and we know how quick Curry's release is like he only needs just a just an inkling of room to get that shot off and he's going to make it so this whole that hedge defender, that 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 screen defender, Horford, Robert Williams, those guys need to come up as the perimeter defender, the primary defender, whether it's Marcus Smart or Derek White's chasing Stephen Curry over the screen. That that help defender, that screen defender needs to come up and contest Curry, run him off that three point line. I'm not worried about Curry getting to the basket. I mean, I know he's he has great touch and he can hit a little floater and layups and everything, but. What gets the crowd going, what gets the team going is the three-pointers, you know. So you want to take away those three-point attempts, and and Boston has some adjustments to make in that area for sure. Now, when you look at Boston, Jason Tatum, we know he's the star. He's the one who gets all the praise, all the hype. And when he's good, he's a 10, you know. Like, when he's on, he's making all the shots, regardless of how tight the defense is or how great the defense is. He's making it all. It doesn't matter. Like He's an extremely super talent. But when he's bad, when he is bad, it is bad. I mean, to the point where you're like, get Jason out of the game. Like He is not helping us in any way. But when he's on, like I mentioned, he's unstoppable. But the difference in what Jason can bring for the Celtics, we know how great of a scorer he is. Like He's a bucket, right? But when he is playmaking... When he can make plays for the rest of his team, that's when the Celtics are on another level. Because you look in game three, he had nine assists, which is great. But you go out to game one where he shot three of 17, they still won that game because he had 13 assists. Like, this is your star player who shot three of 17 and you still won. Like, look around the NBA and look at each team star, like their main guy, 
and tell me how many of those guys, if they shot three of 17 in a playoff game, they would still win by 12. Uh, there's not many teams that would still come out with a W. And so that goes into the depth of what the Celtics have. Horford had 26 in game one. We know what Jalen Brown can do. Jalen Brown may be one of the more underrated players in the game. And I know people you know, probably laugh and it's like, man, Jalen Brown's good. Everybody knows he's good. But I don't think people give him the credit that he deserves because he's overshadowed by Jason Tatum. But as I mentioned with Tatum, like when he's on, he's a 10. But when he's off, like he is a 2. What I love about Jalen Brown is he's a great defender, super athletic, and his he's more consistent than Jason Tatum. Like Jalen Brown, when he's on, it's a 10 too, right? But his worst is like a six. You know, like he's never really horrible. Like when, like I said, when Jason is bad, it is hard to watch. So Jalen Brown is a lot more consistent. And, you know, that's what I love about his game is, like I said, you kind of know what to expect, and his worst is never really that horrible. Now, Marcus Smart, we know how great he is defensively, and he is probably the X factor for this this Celtics team in this matchup just because we know what to expect between Tatum and, and Brown. But that third guy has to be someone as Marcus Smart. He has to be a guy who contributes a lot in the offensive side of the ball. And what I say is, like, we know Mark, Marcus Smart's the point guard, and he's going to get his assist, but in that game, too, where he had turnover after turnover, he only scored two points. Like, when Marcus Smart is aggressive and playing efficiently, that's when this three-headed monster, where in game three, they're the first trio since 1984 to have 20 points, five rebounds, at least at least five assists. Like, this trio, nobody talked about. Nobody gives enough credit. But here they are. These Celtics, they mean business. They've been business. They've been about They've been about it. They have, like, no doubt about it. Those who didn't give them credit, they're starting to witness now. And, you know, Golden State, like, I know this is, they've been great over the last decade, three championships, you know, Steve Kerr's a great coach. We know Steph Curry's the best shooter ever. And, you know, they kind of have that kind of, you know, the reception of the Patriots. Remember when the Patriots had Tom Brady and they're winning championships and all that stuff and they're the dynasty? It's like nobody had the confidence to go against New England to say, yeah, they're playing this team, but I can't go against New England. You know, kind of like Nick Saban, like, Nobody can ever really say that, yeah, Georgia's going to beat them this time. You know, like nobody has the confidence that they, they know it's possible and it may be probable in some situations, but Golden State kind of has that same, like I said, praise as well. When people see Golden State, uh, can't, Golden State can't be beat. And I think they're getting those fans, those lovers of Curry and Thompson and Splash Brothers and you know, all this stuff, I think they're starting to get a, a full taste of how real this could be coming to an end. You know, they're getting up there in age. I know they got a influx of youth being brought in, but not, not any of them are really playing other than, than Jordan Poole, you know, as far as making a real impact. I know I like Gary Payton too, but Jordan Poole is really the only one that's making an impact and is going to, you know, be 
that's a possible threat at this point. Kuminga's there, yeah, Moses Moody, yeah, but those guys aren't playing. They're not getting any minutes. So with this Golden State team, we know everything revolves around Steph Curry. Everything revolves about him and what he can do for the team, right? And I know Draymond had that comment back when, you know, KD was there that it still revolved around Steph. And no, dude, KD was the best player on that team. Of course, you know, that motion offense with Curry and Thompson running around, all that is to draw the attention of the defense of the opposing team because you had to account for Curry and Thompson. But KD was the best player on that team. Like, the reason they won those two championships was because Kevin Durant was a member of the Golden State Warriors. And ever since then, I've hated Golden State tremendously just because – and I love KD. I mean, he's a great player, but, man, that was such a punk move. But as I was saying, this team does revolve around what Steph does. And when he's off the court, it's horrible. Like, you can see how bad and how lethargic their offense is when he's not on the court. And that's where Steph has to be phenomenal for the Warriors to win. Like, Putting up 22 is not going to do it, or 26. Like he has to, he has to play out of his mind and score 35, 40 point type games if the Warriors want to win. And the reason for that is because there's no one else on this Golden State Warriors roster that scares you. And you know, people, you know, when you are competing against someone else and against another team. When you find out who their best player is, or if you already know going into the game, the, even the coaches, they're going to strategize around that one player. Now, when you have multiple really good players or great players, then it becomes a little tougher. You have to kind of balance it out or take something away and you know try to not give up so much in, on, from the other end. But in this case, Golden State doesn't have more than one great player. They just have one, and that's Steph. And like I said... He has to be phenomenal. He has to be great. He has to be playing out of his mind, scoring 40 points for them to win. Now, their defense keeps them in every game where there could, you know, if, if Boston turns the ball over like they did in game two, then it becomes a little easier where Steph doesn't have to be the hero. But in a seven-game series, you're going to need somebody else to step up. Like, Curry is is one of the best ever to play, right? But... Who's going to be that help? Who's that second guy? He doesn't have one. And I know people are like, but what about Clay? Like, you know, Clay's still there, blah, blah, blah. He just had 25 in game three. Like, Clay is great as a catch and shoot guy. Like, in that game three game, you go back and look at it. And, I mean, he struggled the whole series, but in the game three, there was times for whatever reason his man would leave him alone and he's just standing there, feet ready, balanced. He just needs the ball and he's going to make it. He's still a great catch-and-shoot guy, even coming off of his injuries. Now, when he's running off screens, I'm not worried about him. For whatever reason, when he's running off screens, his shot looks horrible. Like, it's long and it's hard. Like, Clay is not back. And I, anybody that thinks that he is are really fooling themselves. Like, you know, my pastor always say, Pastor Darius Creighton always said, the worst deception is self-deception when you lie to yourself. So, you guys out there, Warriors fans who think Clay is Clay. He's not. You know, I've been calling him Lay because that's all he's been doing is laying bricks every single game. But he doesn't scare you anymore. 
Now I do hope he gets back to being, you know, full recovered from his Achilles injury and his ACL injury, uh, more so on the defensive side of the ball. Like, people didn't recognize Clay's defensive prowess and how great he was prior to his injuries. Everybody talked about shooting because that's all we talk about now is offense. Offense sells tickets. But, man, Clay's defense is – it was it was, it was was amazing. It really was, especially for his size. Um you know, even guarding smaller guys, like, he would just shut them down. So I hope Clay does have a full recovery. But he doesn't scare me. Andrew Wiggins, very inconsistent. Like, he's super athletic, and he's good defender. But he doesn't scare me from the offensive side of the ball. Jordan Poole. I love Jordan Poole. Like, I absolutely love Jordan Poole. Like, I was a huge fan of his when he was at Michigan. Um, you know, my Spurs had the next pick. We, we, we liked Jordan Poole a lot in our pre-draft workouts. The Warriors took him one pick before. We ended up taking Keldon Johnson, which I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with that. Like, Jordan Poole is great. Keldon Johnson is great. Like, I think overall, Keldon Johnson is the better player as defensively and rebounding and his size and everything. But Jordan Poole's he's going to be phenomenal. He's not that guy yet. Like, I know he has moments where he just erupts and he goes off. But he's not on that level yet to be – that second guy that the Warriors need right now. Like, eventually, over time, he's a shooter right now. He's a shooter. That's what he is. But I think in the next three, four years, he's going to evolve into something special down in San Francisco for the Warriors. Now, the final piece of this segment with the Warriors and how nobody scares you, Draymond Green does not scare you. Like, I, I, I've never understood how people always want to put him as one of the best players in the league and he's a star and he's part of that big three when big three was really kind of the talk of the league. Draymond Green is not a – he's not a star. He is not that third guy. Like when it was Curry and Thompson at their peak, Green was kind of like – if y'all watch Two and a Half Men, that's kind of what it was, Two and a Half. That's that's exactly what it was, and I love that. I love that show, Two and a Half Men. Charlie Sheen is phenomenal. But Draymond Green is not a star. He's never been a star. Now – He's perfect for what the Warriors do. He's great passer, great rebounder, great defender, but he's not a scorer at all. He can't shoot. He can't score. He's not even doesn't even look to attack. And that's where the trouble lies for this Warriors team. A group of guys who where Curry needs help. He needs guys who can score and put the ball in the hoop. You got somebody who doesn't even look at the hoop. And Draymond Green is that. Draymond Green does not scare well he scares me. I can't I can't stand looking at that dude. Like he is he is scary as heck. I mean I I cannot stand looking at him. Like, you know, it's 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 fearful. I fear I feel for kids, especially the babies that have to look at him if they're watching with their parents. Draymond Green is an ugly dude. And I remember a few years ago somebody put together this meme of Draymond Green and Welvin the Great saying how they looked alike. And those of you who don't know who Welvin DeGray is, he's that guy that was famous for the whole, these nerds, that, that little saying. You go look at Welvin DeGray and look at Draymond Green and tell me they don't favor, they don't look alike. And Welvin DeGray is one ugly dude. One ugly dude. So, Draymond Green, dirtiest player in the league, can't stand him. Like, if the NBA actually had their officials officiate the way they're supposed to Draymond Green would be ejected every single game like this whole talk of how the fans were talking to you know yelling and saying all this stuff about the Warriors players and you know Boston fans do this and do that and how Golden State fans don't do this whatever 
Draymond, that's Draymond Green, my my boy Brandon Davis, who's, who was on that that episode, the best team that nobody talks about. He brought that up. He's like, this Draymond Green every night yelling and saying all kind of obscenities to the teammates and to his the opposition and to their referees. Like he should be ejected every single game, and the NBA lets him get away with anything and everything. Like he's basically tackling people out there. He's an instigator, just just extra. And, you know, it's actually an embarrassment as a black man seeing this fool on national television. Like, it's already hard enough, you know, like the whole stereotypical, you know, black man being loud and boisterous and all this. And then you have this this idiot on national television every night just acting a monkey. And I know that's a derogatory term back in the day, in the slave days, in the colored days. But that's all he, he acts like a darn monkey. That's exactly what he is. And so I can't stand Draymond Green. This is why I can't stand Golden State. I want Golden State to lose. Yes, because of him. I like Steve Kerr. I like Steph Curry. I like Clay Thompson. I like Jordan Poole. I like a bunch of guys on their team I like. But Draymond Green is an embarrassment to NBA players. He's an embarrassment to athletes. He's an embarrassment to black men and black people as a race. I can't stand Draymond Green. I hope the Warriors lose. We'll be back after this break from our sponsors. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapini Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. This this series, Celtics Warriors, I mean, you heard what I hope in the first segment, uh, but I'll, I'll be straightforward. Like, this is one of the best series or most anticipated series that me personally, that I've wanted to watch. Like, going into when I realized it was going to be Golden State and Boston for the NBA Finals, I was thrilled because... Like I said, these are two teams that play great defense. I love both coaches. There's players like on both teams. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a very good series. And I haven't been this excited for an NBA Finals matchup since 2014 when my Spurs were there against the Miami Heat. And you're looking at eight years. I mean, that's eight years of not really caring what happens in the most important series of the season. And that's not just what that matchup is as far as the two teams playing for the title. Uh, the NBA as a whole has kind of turned me off because they show the same six, seven teams all season. So it's hard to turn on that switch in the playoffs like you really care when you hadn't called, cared all year. But, um, but yeah, 
this Warriors Celtics matchup, phenomenal. Uh, I'm glad this is what we get a chance to see. I know not many people expected this Boston team to be there. Uh, Golden State coming back after, you know, just Curry being down, Thompson being down. Green was hurt a lot last year. And it's funny how it all worked out. Okay, this is a team that's winning, been winning championships, but then they have injuries to their key players, and they end up with a lottery pick. And then they acquired another from the Timberwolves, and then they end up with two lottery picks and get Moses Moody and Kuminga. And it's like you just help facilitate this rebuild because they're older, they're up in age, and now you just add this these younger guys, this super talented guys, athletic guys for sure. I know we, we know that. We'll see how it pans out for the Warriors in the years to come. But, you know, the Warriors are in good shape. They're in good shape for now. They're in good shape, um, you know, for for the coming seasons. But I'm not sure if they're in good shape for this NBA Finals matchup as we are watching now against the Boston Celtics 2022 NBA Finals. And I'm excited to see how it all plays out in the end. And as always, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.